you feeling how you moving i got warren short the man with the stash the man with the cash the man that'll put all the bookies on his ass warren short let's go from the home of the world series champion washington nationals warren sharp how you feeling warren i'm doing great feeling happy about the nats i'm not really into baseball as you know so um but i'm along for the ride my kids, however, you know, now that I have kids and they're actually in school with other kids, I got a 10 year old and a five year old, you know, they're both at elementary school now, like they're this like nationals fever there. So uh, they're they're uh, they're loving it life today. So let me this is completely unrelated and then we'll get to football. But I feel like the analytics community looks at the Astros as like their Lord and Savior, that because of Astro Ball and the way they built their their franchise and how, you know, the Browns and other NFL teams have kind of been like, hey, we can do that, too. Was this a loss for the analytics community last night, though? I don't really know. Um, I obviously have read some of Astro Ball. Um, I respect what they did there. I think it's like it's one of those teams where, okay, like, the New England Patriots, they believe in analytics. They seem to always get to the championship game. They might lose once, you know, it, it is what it is, but they're obviously still a great team. So I don't necessarily think I am never a believer that you have to win the whole thing in order to prove that like you are the, the ultimate. And then if you finish in second place right. out of, you know, so many teams that, Oh, you're just, a, it's just a failure. So I don't necessarily buy into that um, in this. Yeah, particular- silly, silly me for thinking that results uh, equals process. So I apologize. Uh, Warren, before we start, laser, laser. Let's get in on this. Okay. Warren has something new for Sharp School this week. We are going to get to EDSR. Surprise, surprise. It balled out again last week. And I'm going to impact all of my uh, picks this week. Uh, by the way, on my super contest, I went two and three. One of my losses was Tampa Bay. And they got screwed on that fumble that should have been a touchdown. It's just a trend here. If I pick a team, you're getting screwed. My apologies. We'll get into the biggest strength of schedule mismatches for week nine so you can focus on fantasy and daily because yet again those players went off we'll take a quick look at buys and then focus heavily on the game of the week the baltimore ravens the new england patriots finally a tough matchup for the patriots baltimore off a bye finally a really tough defense for lamar to face it is going to be beautiful but we start off with a concept that warren focused on it's week eight And as every other podcast and website is talking about halfway MVP, which is a dumb conversation because you've been having it for the last seven weeks, Warren is doing a thing called win-loss over expectation. And really what it is is we look at these teams halfway through the year and let's look back at what we thought they were going to be before week one. And are they on pace to hit their overs? Are they trending more towards the under? Who has been exceeding expectation and who has been really falling flat on their face the most? So 
Tell me how you do this. What are the main things you look at in figuring out win-loss over expectation? I look at, first and foremost, we start with the Vegas win total. What was the line set? And I have to factor in juice. And so I actually don't look at the opening number. I look at a number later in the season after it's been bet into place a little bit more by the sharper sharper sports bettors. And I compare what they are doing right now from a win-loss perspective to what their forecasted win-loss perspective is supposed to be this season based on the odds makers to figure out are we over expectation? Are we exceeding our expectation? Are we falling short? Because a team like the New England Patriots, their expectation was high. So should we be uh, just going gaga goo goo over the fact that they're doing really well? Um, maybe not. Should we be maybe propping up some of the other teams that are really exceeding expectations even more so than the Patriots in the same works? vice versa. And then I'm sure we're going to talk about momentarily. We also have to take into consideration that great equalizer, which is the schedule. Everybody thinks it's the NFL. Everybody plays the same opponents. Your division is the same. You play, you play this circular schedule of opponents, but that's not true. Schedules vary. And especially during the season, as we'll get into, you may have played an easy schedule or a hard schedule. You may have to face the rest of the year, an easy or a hard schedule. Let's take that into context as well. Yeah, I think actually it's funny this year strength of schedule has been the most talked about topic because the two top teams record-wise in the sport right now, the only undefeated teams, the Patriots and the Niners, the Patriots have played the number one easiest strength of schedule thus far, and the Niners have played the 10th easiest. So I think really for the first time in a long time, I'm hearing strength of schedule talked about. But Warren, let's get back factoring in all those things, Vegas, strength of schedule, all that who has been the most disappointing team in the NFL? We have a lot of winless teams out there right now. Who's been the most disappointing from what you've come up with? By far, it's not even close to me. It's the Atlanta Falcons. You want to talk about winless teams? That's fine. Obviously, the Bengals, obviously the Dolphins. But guess what? Those teams were forecast to be bad. If you want to talk about a team that is disappointing more than any, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Quite frankly, I think that this could be the beginning of the end for their head coach. Um, he's a defensive-oriented guy. Their defense has not been performing. We can make excuses and injuries and all these different things. The fact of the matter is this team was forecast to win 8.7 games, meaning 8.5 was their win total, a little bit juiced towards the over, 8.7 games. They're 1-7, and seven, way below expectations, and guess what? They're about to face the most difficult schedule of opponents the rest of the season. Stop. What did they face before this? Before this, they faced essentially a league average, slightly above league average. If you want to say the number one, wow. easiest, the number 32 is the toughest. They've played the 15th easiest schedule in the league. They're about to face number 32, the toughest schedule. Wow. Most disappointing, and it's only going to get worse. Okay, flip side, which team factoring in Vegas, strength of schedule, has had the most impressive season thus far? Well, this is one that I can actually take a little bit more pride in. 
The San Francisco 49ers are the most impressive team in the NFL when you factor in the schedule of opponents that they've played, as well as their overall record against what they were forecast to do. This team was just supposed to go 8-8. Eight eight. They were 4-12 and last year. They were getting back Jimmy G. He was injured, coming off of ACL. What's he going to do? If we saw him in the preseason, I can't tell you how many guys on Twitter were making fun of the fact that he couldn't complete passes and didn't look so good. They had no faith in Kyle Shanahan. Literally, people were calling for Kyle Shanahan's head if he didn't have a somewhat successful season this year. And look at these guys now. I couldn't buy it. I wrote in my book, this team is going to exceed expectations. They were one of my favorite teams entering the season. That's why I can take pride in their ranking. But absolutely, this undefeated team has vastly exceeded expectations so far. And while they will face a slightly more difficult schedule the rest of the way, it's not even the top 10 most difficult schedule. They have the 20th toughest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way. And uh, I just want to say for all the Niners haters out there, the Patriots, Bills, Ravens, Seahawks, Vikings, Jaguars, Cowboys, Titans and Chargers have all had easier schedules thus far than the Niners. So as you go out there and you circle all the easy wins on the Niners schedule, just remember that, like, I don't know, five other teams that are currently in the playoffs have had an easier schedule than the Niners right now. Just want that for perspective, because I think that's fair, Warren. Absolutely. Yeah, the top. Look, it's not very difficult to imagine. I've got the full chart posted up on uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com, but it's not difficult to imagine that the teams that have done better than expected have played generally easier schedules yes. and that have failed to meet expectations, generally speaking, have played tougher schedules. But as you mentioned, the Niners have played the 10th easiest schedule, but there's a lot of teams higher up, you know, up the rankings here that have played far easier schedules. Warren, one of the big topics right now around the NFL is the incredible performance thus far of the Patriots defense. From a fantasy perspective, I think they're better than Alvin Kamara. From a real-world perspective, it seems like they have a touchdown every game, whether it's defense or special teams. People are saying it's schedule-related. Do you see this defense regressing? Will they still be great? Is it somewhere in between? How great actually is this Patriots defense looking at the second half of the season? Respective to the rest of the teams playing defense in the NFL right now, the Patriots' defense is great. Respective to all-time history, the Patriots' defense is very good. They right now are producing great numbers that are like all-time, but I believe once you factor in their schedule, which is about to get much more difficult, we will realize that this defense is great currently, but is not all-time great. And this is coming from a guy who entered the season writing in my book that I thought the Patriots defense might carry the offense this year. That's how mm. good I felt this Patriots defense was. The reality is they've played four games this season. That's half of their games against teams that have bottom three offenses, right? Bottom three. We're talking the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Redskins. So they're about to start facing teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs. They're still going to be a good defense. This defense is not just going to suddenly fall off a cliff because, oh, my God, they're playing, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, right, and Dak Prescott. But they're not going to be producing numbers like they were against some of these ridiculously terrible, some somewhat like all-time or close to all-time worst 
offenses in the NFL. It, it's been beautiful to watch, and I, and I don't want anyone to think that this is uh, hating or anything like that or trying to minimize because every team that's been put in front of them, Bill Belichick, Kyle Van Noy, and the boogeymen have absolutely destroyed everything that's been put in front of them. And if there's one coach that could keep it rolling, it is Billy B. At the same time, though, we just want to give the perspective that it might come a little bit closer to earth, but right now it's in the stratosphere and maybe it barely enters the atmosphere. You know what I mean, Warren? I don't hate any team. (laughs) Bullshit. I view everything through the context of are you being efficient? So if you are a team that's being inefficient and doing dumb things, then I'm not going to like you. But that's because of your process, not because of the fact that I dislike a certain franchise or a certain city. In New England's case, I love their process. I absolutely love Bill Belichick, one of my favorite coaches of all time because of how, like everything he does, I don't even want to name five things because he does 25 things great. But the point is, it's... It would be wrong of us not to talk about the fact that they have literally played, and that's one of the things that we do, is measure strength of schedule better than virtually any other outlet out there. We're measuring the schedule, we're anticipating who they're going to be playing, and we're just stating the facts for the people to have context with when, for when they're evaluating the performance. All right, so now, uh, because the Patriots are a team that is undoubtedly going to be in the in the playoffs, we're going to break down this strength of schedule and how they've been doing in terms of before today, after today, and whether or not they're in the playoffs and whether or not this should continue. So the first category is teams that have been exceeding Vegas's expectations and are currently in the playoffs but are about to come back to earth. And I'm looking at the chart that you can find on sharpfootballanalysis.com and two teams jump out to me. One, the Vikings, who go from the fifth easiest schedule and drop all the way down to the 27th. And be aware, they are 6-2. and two. But the one that's caught my uh, attention, Warren, is the Seahawks, also 6-2. and two. They have the sixth easiest schedule, and they're going to the 31st. That's the second most difficult schedule in the NFL. What kind of a drop-off could this be for the Seahawks moving forward? I think it's going to be a drop-off that's going to come as a sudden punch to the gut for this team, primarily because of the way that they coach their offense. Mm. The team whose defense has regressed year over year, they're worse now than they were last year, they're worse last year than they were the year before, is a defense that's somewhat been on the decline. Offensively, this is a team with Pete Carroll that is built upon the run. And they've played run defenses that actually rank well above uh, ease of schedule, right? On average, the overall schedule of run defenses they play, about the 10th easiest. They're about to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. And over the course of the rest of the season, they're going to face, if you just want to look at like their next five or six opponents, the 40 not beyond Tampa Bay, sure. who's got the run defense. The 49ers, the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Rams, those four teams all rank top half of the NFL. Most of them are top 10 run defenses. Mm. So it's going to be imperative that for the Seahawks to continue with their success, they make modifications offensively, stop running the ball so much, especially early in games, Don't can't afford to fall behind because some of these teams actually do have good offenses, right? If you're playing a team that has a good run defense but a bad offense, it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing a team that's also got a good offense that can score on you, it's going to be a problem. So Seattle is that team 
that is about to face a dramatically different schedule of opponents moving forward. And it's one that I think they're going to have to make modifications in order to see success moving forward. As a Russell Wilson fantasy owner, do I get nervous then? I think you get excited because I think more of this offense will have to fall on Russell Wilson's okay. shoulder, especially when we're talking about the schedule of run defenses that they're about to face. Uh, I just dropped my pen cap and I'm all out of sorts right now. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Now let's go to when you see that, by the way, Warren, one more thing about the Seahawks. Is it drastic enough where you go? They might be because of the Niners success right now. The Seahawks might be fighting for a wild card spot. Is it that drastic of a change? Yeah. Well, they're still fighting. Obviously, yeah. the Niners, those couple of games that they're going to play in division will probably determine everything. I think yeah. the Seahawks are good enough to still win some of these games. But I mean, you're talking about a team that I think we're going to go over on them later, but they could potentially their six point favorites could potentially lose at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. They don't modify what their plans are from an offensive side of the ball. So yeah, save that juice, save that juice. We'll get into that in a second. A team that could be dealing with, I mean, right now they're slated to make the wild card um, right. and they aren't slated to win the division. So they're going to have to do some work against the Niners in those two games to be able to win the division for sure. All right, so now uh, we're going to look at teams that have been exceeding expectations and it's going to continue because their schedule is actually going to get easier. So Seattle and Minnesota are teams that were exceeding expectations, but that schedule gets a lot harder. These are teams that are exceeding expectations and their schedule is about to get easier. And I look at the teams there. Oakland is a team that, wow, their schedule gets easier. And I think they look, they've been pretty great so far. Detroit is a team that fits that. But the one that really caught my eye, Warren, was the Carolina Panthers. You think the schedule gets a lot easier, huh? It definitely gets a lot easier for Carolina. This is a team that's about to go up against defenses that are substantially easier than what they've played. If you look at like the last five games, they've played defenses that all rank 14th or tougher. Mm. You know, they looked terrible against the San Francisco 49ers, but they're about to go into the, uh, a part of their schedule. They've got to get through Tennessee first, which won't be easy. Tennessee does have a very good defense, and then they got to play the Green Bay Packers. But after that, we're talking two games against the Atlanta Falcons defense, a game against the Washington Redskins defense, a game against the Indianapolis Colts defense. These are all defenses, and, and the, the Seattle Seahawks defense, who I just mentioned, their defense is not the same as what it once was. These are games that the Carolina Panthers offense should look better in, and especially Christian McCaffrey. This is a team really that relies a lot on McCaffrey, and you, t you talk about who they've just played. You're talking about the 49ers who have a great run defense, the Bucs who have the best run defense in the NFL, the Jaguars the week before that, the Houston Texans the week before that. All those teams better against the run than they are against the pass. Um, so now we're going to be into this part of the schedule where Kyle Allen can rely a little bit more on Christian McCaffrey on the ground. Does have to put too much of those of the weight onto his shoulders. I'm excited to see what Carolina does over, over the second half of the season. They still got their work cut out for them to make the postseason, but the schedule is definitely going to work in their favor. It is wild to me to think that Carol, 
It is wild to me to think that Christian McCaffrey performs so well in the first half of this season that people feel obligated to put him in the MVP discussion, and they have faced the fourth toughest schedule of opponents, and now the second half of the season, they're about to face the eighth easiest. The fact that Christian McCaffrey did that against that schedule, and now the second half is lining up that he might torch people even more? This could end up being historic, and we don't even realize how great he's been yet. No, and here, but here's the thing about Christian McCaffrey. I still think he'll have to perform out of this world to win MVP. But it's, even, it's been even more difficult than what you're suggesting because if you just look at the run defenses that he's faced, he has played the second most difficult schedule of opposing run defenses so far this year. So he's done what he's done against the number two schedule. Wow. Defenses. It is about to get much easier for McCaffrey over the second half of the year, especially after the next game. That's incredible. And as a Christian McCaffrey owner, I must say, I am elated. Okay. Uh, failed to meet expectations, but will have easier schedules. So, Warren, these are teams that failed expectations, according to Vegas thus far. But there is hope on the horizon. The schedule is going to get a lot easier. Not surprisingly, the Jets and Dolphins qualify. The questions that we have is, are they going to take advantage of these easier schedules? It's been a fire sale that got canceled for the Jets and Miami. It's a fire sale that became a bigger fire sale than we even thought. But there is one team. There's one team right now getting in fights with the media. There's one team right now that's getting slayed by the pundits. And you're saying that, hey, you better watch your tongue because the schedule's about to get a lot easier for the Cleveland Browns. Break this down for me, Warren Sharp. So far, the Cleveland Browns have dr drastically failed to meet expectations. It has not been close. But what we have to do is take into context that they have played the second toughest schedule of opponents on the season. They are about to face the second easiest schedule of opponents wow. the of the way. So it's pretty much uh, what, a, what our biggest criticism is of Cleveland is Baker Mayfield, the offense, what Freddie Kitchens is doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is Cleveland's played the number two toughest schedule of defenses, the number one toughest schedule of run defenses, the number four toughest schedule of pass defenses. They've played tough pass rushes. They're about to face a schedule that is back-end loaded with much more manageable defenses. We're talking about a couple games against the Browns, the Arizona Cardinals. No, no, they are, they are the Browns. Who did you mean? The Cincinnati Bengals, a couple games against the Bengals, game against the Dolphins, games against the Arizona Cardinals. Most importantly, these teams, including the Buffalo Bills, who have a good defense, but what did Philly show us last week? You can run on them. Run on them. And so what I think is going to happen when I'm looking at the back half of the schedule, I just mentioned the Cleveland Browns have played the number one most difficult schedule of run defenses. They're about to play a schedule of run defenses moving forward, which include bottom 10 teams all over the place that you're going to be able to run on, which is going to give Baker Mayfield relief. It's going to give him hope, not, in, not having to take so much of the burden himself that should open things up for the passing game. I'm not going to say Freddie Kitchens is doing everything perfect. I've been on the record. He needs to improve his play calling. That being said, it's going to look better for the run game. That should allow them to do more from the passing game, hopefully get back to his more creative roots 
passing from heavier personnel sets. So if you're talking crap on Baker Mayfield right now, just be ready if in a few weeks he's dancing in the end zone, pointing at the camera, and calling you out by name because it could get a little bit dangerous for you out there. Just a little warning there from Warren Sharp. I think it's a really good warning. I think it is. By the way, I wanted to say this about the Bills' defense. Um, that, this is how important Harrison Phillips was to that defensive line. You know, Harry was a pretty amazing run stopper, and it will be interesting to see how the Bills adjust as the season goes on. Lucky for them, they've had the fourth easiest schedule thus far, and it becomes the sixth easiest schedule in the second half. The Bills are one of the few teams that are in that top six of easiest first and second. Now, Warren, let's move to the teams that have failed to meet expectations. Even though their schedule was easy and it's only going to get worse. So these are teams that are people calling disappointing, but it's still going to get worse. Of course, Atlanta's on there. You mentioned that early. That's going to be tough. Los Angeles Chargers fans, I'm sorry. It was supposed to be somewhat easier. It's only going to get tougher. I know that's hard to believe. They already fired Ken Wisenhunt. Who else is going to go? We'll find out. But the last one here is interesting, is the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. Where were they supposed to be, and where are they going according to this strength of schedule and Vegas Warren Sharp? Well, the Tennessee Titans were supposed to be about a 500 team. And that's where they are right now. So I think in Tennessee and across the mainstream media, everyone's going to believe that this team is meeting expectations. They're doing pretty well. But I take the flip side approach and I want to look at their schedule. And so far they've played the second easiest schedule of opponents. Now, if they were about to face the second easiest schedule the rest of the way, then yes, they're meeting expectations. They're doing what they need to do against a easy schedule so they should be able to win four games the rest of the way too. hit their eight win total but the reality is they're about to play the 26th ranked schedule which is one of the top 10 most difficult schedules the rest of the way through Um, and if you want to look at two things where it's going to be particularly tough for the Tennessee Titans the Tennessee Titans defense has been what's carried them if you look at their schedule and you look at who they've played They've played some easy defenses so far. Uh, Sorry, some easy offenses. The Tennessee Titans have played the sixth easiest schedule of opposing offenses. Guess who they're going to start facing the rest of the way? Forget Carolina, who's a little bit better than average, in my opinion. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Indianapolis Colts, the Oakland Raiders, the Houston Texans twice, the New Orleans Saints. Guess what that is? That's one of the toughest schedules in the NFL of opposing offenses the rest of the way, it's not like the Chargers, the Buffalo Bills, the Denver Broncos, the Atlanta Falcons, the Cleveland Browns. Those are the offenses that this defense has been able to face. So I think it's going to look a lot more difficult for the Tennessee Titans defense. That's going to mean their offense is going to have to produce more points. What do we know that their offense likes to do? They don't have as much faith in their quarterback. They want to run the football. Well, guess the types of run defenses that they're about to face, especially at the end of the schedule. The Oakland Raiders, the Houston Texans twice, the New Orleans Saints, those teams are all top five, literally top five run defenses in the NFL right now. So they're not going to have as much success running the football. Their defense is going to get more points scored on them. 
more is going to come down on the shoulders of their quarterback and of the passing game for the Tennessee Titans the rest of the season. It's uh, interesting. I want to make this note about the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Two weeks ago, they're playing the Chargers. Late in the fourth quarter, they're clinging to a lead because that's what the Titans do. They establish a lead and they barely extend it. And it makes it very afraid if you're a Titans fan. And they go for it on fourth and short with Ryan Tannehill. They don't get it. The Chargers drive down in three plays. They score three touchdowns. All of them are called back. Somehow the Titans win. Mike Vrabel is celebrating. Then last week, playing the Tampa Bay Bucks. What do you know? They have a lead. Jameis is turning the ball over all over the place in his own red zone. Tennessee has the ball fourth at about five at around the 50. What does Mike Vrabel call a fake punt? The punter. I cannot believe they ran this play, gets clotheslined like a rock bottom, ball pops out, Tampa Bay runs it in for a touchdown, the ball gets called down, Tampa Bay, guess what, turnover, the Titans somehow hold on to win, Vrabel is celebrated. If there's one team that you really want to bet against to regress in the second half, it's the team that not only should be four and not only is four and four and should be two and six. It's the team that Warren just said faced the second easiest schedule of teams and is only four and four and should be two and six. This is a team that, in my mind, may finish the season five and five and eleven. They might win one more game. I was down on the Tennessee Titans. This season, I thought that they would probably fail to win nine games. I didn't think this was a team that was going to have a winning record. I thought it was going to be a team that might struggle. One of the big reasons was Marcus Mariota. So now we got a big wild card here because I didn't believe in Marcus Mariota. But now we've got Ryan Tannehill in there. And Tannehill is a better passer of the football than Mariota. So how will he do? How will he assist this team in winning some games? They might end up doing a little bit better than what I thought from yep. a passing efficiency perspective. The fact of the matter is, as you mentioned, they're lucky to be four and four based upon the way the games have played out. They're also lucky to be four and four based upon their schedule. If we think both of those types of mm-hmm. luck carry over the rest of the season, then this team's got a horseshoe shoved you know where because it's probably unlikely. Yeah, and by the way, one of their other wins was against Atlanta. So let's just let's put all that together. Let's let's put all that together. I will say this though, uh, their rookie, uh, the kid out of Mississippi State, Jeffrey Simmons, is a baller, and I'm so happy that he's back. And uh, again, this is not me hating on the Titans. This is not me saying that I don't like them. No, it's just looking at facts and going, this doesn't look like a good trend. What is a good trend? What is a good model? You bet your ass. EDSR, Warren Sharp's proprietary statistic, early down success rate. What did it do last week, Warren? Oh, I don't know. Three and one straight up, three and one against the spread thus far since we've started using this, which is in week six. Once the model had enough information, it is 10 and two overall. It is six and six against the spread, but we're finding money line winners and the four upsets that you felt comfortable enough to put out. Really, last week you said, look, these are just kind of like light upsets. I don't know. Both of them covered against the spread. The Giants covered against Detroit. The Chargers outright beat the Bears and uh, probably thank Nagy for that one. So it's 4-0 in the upsets that we've got. You shook your head. Did you want to say something about Nagy before we move on? I just think that the Chargers 
really, if you look at that box score, did not have a shot in that game. I don't know how the Bears ended up losing it, uh, but you're absolutely right. It's a combination of Nagy, his lack of confidence in Trubisky, his decision that we can't get a running back to get a couple of yards on this play to move the ball a little bit closer. Uh, a lot of it, you put it together, it's a lot of excuses. And, you know, a 41-yard field goal should be routine. Handing the ball to your running back to gain a couple of yards should be routine. And so I don't really buy the excuses coming out of there. Well, we, we weren't close enough. We, the ball was on the wrong hash. All this is nonsense. They need to figure out a way to win games. They're regressing just like we thought they would this season. Uh, but, but yeah, that was, that was a good cover. I was a little bit surprised with the outright there. All right, so again, EDSR, it does often show us the biggest mismatches, and oftentimes that aligns with the biggest spreads. Now, we'll focus on some, but then sometimes some surprises happen, so we'll focus on those two. The number one mismatch in EDSR this week, I have your notes in front of me, San Francisco over Arizona. This, of course, is a Thursday night football game. We are recording this Thursday afternoon, so to all the people that are hearing this on Friday, Warren, do you? I know we don't like kind of doing this because who knows what's going to happen, but this is the number one mismatch in EDSR in week nine. Yeah, what I can say, um, and we'll keep this one short, is normally on short rest, coaching edges are maximized, right? Like it, uh, uh, they're, they're, the light is shown upon them and it's worse than what you think. So if you're at a disadvantage from a coaching perspective and now your coach has less time to prepare than the other guy, chances are your team is in trouble. Um, and so I think this is a perfect case where San Francisco, massive, massive coaching edge, better players. Um, I'm not saying anything about the spread, but I could see why it opened at seven and is now sitting at 10. Um, it's tough to lay 10 on the road on a short week. But there's no doubt about it that it, the trends have shown that when you have less rest, everything is magnified from a mismatch perspective. The better teams end up having more success. Uh, the number two mismatch. Now, I want to say this. You, again, EDSR went three and one last week. The one that lost, you immediately said, I don't like this. It was Buffalo had an EDSR advantage over the Eagles. You explained it to me that because Buffalo is good on offense and defense, it makes their EDSR go up. And the Eagles had struggled up to that point defensively. So it was something that because it's your model, you looked and said, oh, the, I can see that the model is overcompensating right now for Buffalo, which is why it's great to have you because you know the model you gave me this one and you said the same thing you saw it and went oh i don't like this one you see houston the model sees houston having a huge advantage over jacksonville and edsr and you saw that and had pause why well if we think about just in general back up a little bit for what houston is houston is without their number one deep threat and houston is dealing with offensive line injuries, and they just lost their number one pass rusher, J.J. Watt. So you take into consideration both sides of the football. This team is not necessarily, from a health perspective, what earned them the ranking that they've earned in EDSR. Mm. And uh, so from that perspective, right away, I was just like, eh, I'll go ahead and, and share it. It's still the number two mismatch on the season from where these teams are ranked. But I don't think current form, and I actually like Jacksonville 
in this spot. I used them earlier in the week as a teaser. They still make for a pretty good teaser leg, given that the line is one and a half. Um, I think Jacksonville has a very good shot, especially because this game is in London and they're more used to the travel. And that's a big factor going to London, as you well know, uh, having just been there. So I think like Doug Marone, I don't know if you heard his comments, uh, but he was saying that going to this probably isn't good for the league. But Doug Marone said going to London gives me diarrhea. It's a big adjustment. Right. So, you know, um, that's probably not the best marketing to, like, get people funded, you know, wanting to travel influx like him saying that. But it means that it's tough on the body to go back and forth. And you know that better than I do, having just been there yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I do think it'll be interesting. The NFL in London. It gives me diarrhea. Coming up next, Jaguars, Texans. Grab that toilet paper roll because it's going to get messy in Wembley Stadium. Doug Marone standing by with a wet wipe. Doug. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for letting me do that. Okay, the number three biggest EDSR mismatch of week nine Holy smokes, we've got ourselves an upset. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually have an EDSR advantage over the Seattle Seahawks. When you saw this, Warren, did your ears perk up? 100%. This matchup was one that was definitely attractive to me, even before looking at EDSR. And it's very simple to break this game down. Seattle wants to run the football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the toughest run defense that they will have faced on the year. Teams cannot run the football very efficiently on them. So teams that insist on running the football run into two problems. Number one, it's hard to get a lead because it's hard to get your rhythm going. So it's going to be a challenge. Seattle is going to have to do a little bit more damage earlier in the game through the air. Now, they've shown that their ability to do that to some extent, but that brings you to the second problem, which is once you have the lead for a team that wants to run the football, if you're lucky enough to get it, which you can throw on the Bucs, and Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. Seattle should be throwing the football more than they do, so I think they could have some success through the air here. The problem is how do you maintain that lead? And what all these running teams like to do, especially in the second half, is turn around and hand the football off to the running back. The problem is when you're a team like the 49ers, you're playing an easy run defense. That's how the score gets so ballooned out of whack is because you can keep running the ball and you can keep growing the score and the score, you're scoring more points. But in this case, you can't run against Tampa Bay. So you have a 13 point lead in the third quarter and you're trying to run and you get stopped and you have to punt. Jameis Winston has the opportunity to pass the ball against your defense. He puts up a field goal. Now you got a 10-point lead. You keep trying to run the ball, but you can't because you're playing such a good run defense. So inevitably, it's hard to gain enough separation against a really good run defense to cover a number like this. I like the six. I'll tell you for Sharp Football Analysis subscribers, like this is one of the reasons why you are a subscriber, because I jumped on this game on Monday when it was six and a half and bought to the seven. So I'm sitting there with the seven. I feel like this line is going to continue to trend lower. It's going to go down to five and a half and potentially lower than that because there's no reason why Seattle, they haven't done anything to me to prove that they're going to trust Russell Wilson enough to throw the football enough to gain enough separation that will never be shortened by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Uh, not only that, they uh, also just lost their center, Justin Britt, to an ACL. So you're playing the number one run defense in the NFL. You just lost your center. Pete Carroll comes out and says, in terms of death, we're, depth, we're working at it. And now we know that Schottenheimer has an obsession with not just running in the first half, but running on early downs. And if you give Jameis life, and again, I'm not the biggest fan of betting on Jameis, but against that secondary of the Seahawks, it could get dangerous. It really, really could. And let me throw one other kind of uh, X factor out there. Um, not that I trust Jameis playing in Seattle with that crowd noise. It is going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. But guess who's a coach who's had a lot of success in Seattle? Ooh, what did Bruce do in Seattle? Bruce Arians has had tremendous success as an Arizona Cardinal with teams that shouldn't be competitive in Seattle being quite competitive. He knows how to coach against this defense. He's very familiar with it from his time in Seattle. It still is the same defense. They just have worse players. So their players aren't as good as when Bruce was there. And Bruce has had success there to begin with, understands what it's like to play in Seattle. I think he's going to have his team very prepared. I also loved the fact Loved the fact that last week after Jameis threw a bunch of interceptions, Bruce came out and pounded the table and said, these interceptions were not Jameis's fault. I trust in my quarterback. The receivers need to step their damn game up and catch some of these balls because that's not on Jameis. That tells me that Jameis is now going to have a lot more confidence headed into this game than if last week after the game, Bruce was getting upset with his quarterback after a close loss that they should have won to the Tennessee Titans. Want to add one thing about sharpfootballanalysis.com. Last week was a perfect example of why subscribing was beneficial. When I saw that Warren put up the Baltimore, um, no, the Houston-Oakland over, I bet it. I did. And what happened was I got it at 50 and a half. But you know what everybody else got it at? 51 and a half. And the number, the total was 51. And so there is an advantage. The reason that you subscribe, because we can't give you all the information here because, look, I've seen Warren put up information on his website on Monday morning because he's trying to get those early lines. And that's the advantage of subscribing to his website. I'm not just doing this because I'm trying to get you guys to buy something. I'm doing this because there is an inherent advantage of getting Warren's information early. What we do is we try and package everything to not just teach you, but to also give you information, but realize that if he says, take the over, that's not a blanket statement. There is value, there is timing and there is scheduling. And that's why this is not just, it's not just a skill. You know what I mean? There's, there's a plan to all this. I just wanted to clarify that Warren. Hope that was okay. The, the, the one other thing that I'll add to that is we don't just sometimes move early. We're also sometimes moving very late. So some of the games that I like and I want to take an over or an under, I'll wait until the line gets to the right spot if I want to fade the marketplace or fade a weather situation, right? Like it's, it's, it looks oh, yeah, like, like, like I'll get an alert on my phone that Warren's putting out a new pick at noon on Sunday. And I'm like, he hit his number. Let's do this. Right. So there'll be some times when we're going early, when we're going late. But that's why I'm sitting here in this bunker staring at a bank of monitors, one of which is like literally, what is this, maybe 18 inches from my eyeballs. That's got the lines all over it and it never turns off like this TV is constantly on is because I'm trying to figure out the best time to move on these games. 
The fourth greatest EDSR mismatch is one that I know that you don't feel comfortable with either. It is Buffalo over Washington. The reason you don't feel comfortable, it's a nine and a half point spread. It's a lot of points. There is a mismatch. And as you mentioned last week, Buffalo is one of those teams that maybe is over favored by the EDSR model, correct? Yeah, Buffalo is. And this is a big spread. Um, Washington's coming off of a bye. Um, and it's, Thir- it's no, all- Thursday game, so extended rest. Extended rest. We'll see what type of new game plan they're coming up with, um, what type of strategy they're coming up with as well. So, yeah, this is not one I love. But, yes, absolutely, there's a big mismatch in Buffalo's favor here. Now, as Warren was looking through all the EDSR mismatches last night, and I said, okay, now that you're done the top four, are there any others that really excite you? And there's this funny thing when you talk to Warren on the phone where I see him pouring through notes, and then I hear, ooh, oh, Oh, and there was one. I just did the uh, the old Kanye Birdie Macleff. Oh, Oakland over Detroit. And the reason you found it interesting was when you looked at the spread, the spread and the mismatch didn't add up. What was the reason? Yeah, when you look at the Detroit Lions versus Oakland, one of one of the things that I'm looking at here is, you know, a typical home field advantage is a three point uh, line. So you would expect that Oakland, if these teams were considered equal uh, would be a three-point line. Both of them have three wins. Um, the, the Detroit Lions happen to have a tie, whereas the Oakland Raiders happen to have a loss. So one's three, three, and one, one's three, and four. Uh, but I'm looking at this game and definitely that from an early down perspective, the Oakland Raiders have a really solid edge here from EDSR that's not being truly reflected in the line. Now, the line makes sense when you consider what Oakland's looked like and Oakland. Oh my God, look how badly they lost to the green Bay Packers. And oh my gosh, they blew a lead to the Houston Texans. But there's a lot of things that are moving in Oakland's favor in this game. Primarily the fact that this is their first home game in what, since last Thanksgiving, it feels like, I mean, (laughs) it's been on the road since week two, their only home game was actually in London um, since week two. And now we're in week nine. That is ridiculous. From week two to yeah. week nine, you don't play a single game in Oakland. I think that's going to be beneficial for them. I also look at the schedule of opponents, particularly the past defenses that they faced, and it's been brutal. Every single team before the Houston Texans was top 15 in pass defense, most of them top 10. We're talking about the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs. So, now they get to go up against the Detroit Lions, which, again, we'll have to see what the injury report is. Darius Slay may be back, but he's missed some time. They traded away their other starting safety to the Seattle Seahawks. And then you look at what is Detroit. And this is the biggest problem I have with Detroit. And I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Okay. But Detroit is another one of these run-based teams, just like we talked about with the Seattle Seahawks, where they want to run the football. And it doesn't matter who they're playing or what that defense's strengths or weaknesses are. They want to run the football. Last week, they're playing the uh, New York Giants. And the Giants are a team who have a dramatically worse pass defense and a really uh, above average, slightly run defense. So you want to pass on these guys. Matthew Stafford averages 10.7 yards per attempt. is tearing them up through the air. Yet they have almost 50% of their plays are run plays. Um, Without their starting running back without their starting running back. Now they're going to Oakland. Oakland has a top 10 run defense. They have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. If there was a team with a good passing offense like Detroit has that you might think 
may not optimize their play calling and may play into the hands a little bit of the Oakland Raiders. It's the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia and the fact that they're probably going to try to run the ball a fair amount here. And again, what do we talk about with Seattle? Let's say Detroit even has a lead here, a 10 or seven point lead on the road. They're viewed as the better team by Vegas. That's why they're not catching three points. Let's say they have a slight lead here. How are they going to salt it away by running the football against a really good run defense? Probably unlikely without their number one running back. And if they don't choose to pass the football here, it's great opportunity for Derek Carr to get back into this game against potentially a beat up secondary. Uh, man, I, this is one of the better slates of games I've seen in terms of feeling comfortable about the spreads. Like, do you feel that too? Uh, there's been like four weeks in a row where I did not really like the card. Uh, and it's it's hard. The cards break certain ways. You feel certain ways about teams, matchups, etc. And last week, I kind of started liking that card. Um, it was the be- it was the, my favorite card probably of the last month, and it showed in the in the results and the records. Uh, this week, I like the card as well. I think there's some good betting opportunities on the board here for us. All right, so let's get into less of a betting. This this I feel like helps more daily fantasy and also. Um, fantasy in general and and solo performances so you strength of schedule mismatches compared to what a team has faced and what they're facing this week we do pass we do run we do defense and i want to show you that it's been working two weeks ago the easiest pass off and shift was gardner Minshew. surprise surprise he hit his over jacksonville wins by 10 last week the easiest pass shift was matt stafford and the detroit lions and what do you know Last week, Matt Stafford goes 342 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. It was his highest passer rating of the season. It was his highest completion percentage of the season, 78%. I mean, Drew Brees and Sam Bradford are getting jealous at 78%. It was the highest yards per attempt of the season by by two by two yards, 10.69. The second highest was 8.56. So... It's going to jump, fellas. The highest strength of schedule change and mismatch this week. The number one was the Jets. Sam Darnold against the Miami Dolphins. But we looked at that, and we talked on the phone, and we said, I don't know about Adam Gase. I don't know about this offense. I don't know how they're feeling after this fire sale. So I said, okay, Warren, let's move to number two. And the number two biggest mismatch is the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants. So all my ears perk up and I go, could this be a big DAC week? I think it could be a big DAC week. As long as the weather's fine in New York, they're playing on the road. It's a Monday night football game. We know Dallas wants to run the football. They'll eventually, if they've got a lead, their seven-point road favorites will end the game probably running the football if, they, if they're doing well here. So it's not going to be the case where they're trailing and have to throw the football a lot. However, we look at the Giants. They're a great team to attack with the pass. We just attacked them with Matthew Stafford last week. If you look at what Dax faced over the last month of the season with the games he's played, granted they have a bye week last week, they played the Saints, the 11th best pass defense, the Green Bay Packers, the fifth, uh, sorry, the eighth best pass defense, the Jets, who have a surprisingly decent pass defense, and the Philadelphia Eagles, whose pass defense 
was being able to take advantage of. Dak had a really good game. They are also able to run the football a little bit, and they scored 37 points at home. We haven't seen him since that game, and I think now that Amari is fully healthy, their tackles are fully healthy, they're going to be able to attack the New York Giants defense through the air, and Dak should have a better game than probably many people are expecting him to have. That's awesome. Easiest run shift. Last week, Warren Sharp said, hey, it's the Rams in London taking on the Bengals. And what did the Rams do? They had, they had it's interesting, it was their whole offense was better. They had their best third down conversion rate of the season. They had their highest average game per pass, which is very interesting because the Rams are a team that uses play action. So they were able to have success with the run early. And think about it. All the Cooper Cup fantasy owners out there are like, oh, yeah, I saw that impact. They had 12 compared to 8.5. So it was the easiest shift in the run. But because the Rams are a play action team, it actually really helped them in the pass. And the biggest strength of schedule change easy for the run is actually the Vikings this week. Dalvin Cook against the Kansas City Chiefs. What are you thinking here, Warren? Dalvin's played the 14th toughest schedule of run defenses over the last month. And really, if you look at over the course of the full season, he's played so many difficult uh, top 10 run defenses this year. Now he gets to go up against the easiest run defense he will face over the entire year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Not just previous, but also in the future. He will not get a better team to run the football against than the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, we love Andy Reid, the creativity that he brings to the offense. They are most likely going to be going with Matt Moore, a backup quarterback that hasn't been officially announced as of yet, which is why there's no line on this game. But I'm expecting if Matt Moore is the quarterback, that there's going to be opportunities with Minnesota in the lead a little bit to run the football here. And Dalvin Cook has been producing from a fantasy perspective. He's doing it through the air and on the ground. You could throw the football to him. He can gain chunk yards on the ground as well. Um, And I'm sure everybody who has him in fantasy has been really happy with what he's been delivering to your roster. That's going to get potentially a lot better in this game against the Chiefs. I want to say this, too, from the Chiefs' injury perspective. uh, Frank Clark and Alex Okafor did not practice on Wednesday. Chris Jones, though, limited practice with that groin injury, and I, I say it every week, how important Chris Jones is to that run defense. You do not have a defensive tackle that gets 17, 18 sacks last year and then never bring him up in the national media when the Chiefs' defense is struggling. Don't call him a top three defensive lineman, and then when he goes down, be like, I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs defense. I don't get it. I also want to say that Patrick Mahomes is feeling really good right now. I don't know if they're going to rush him back against this defense, but I want everyone to know that Mahomes is feeling good, and he's ready to go. And they're kind of just, they're the ones saying, Pat, slow the fuck down. Okay? Just want to get that out there. Uh, Easiest defensive shift. Last week, week eight, Warren said it was the Lions facing the Giants. And this is the one that I thought, oh, no, Warren's little strength of schedule thing here backfired. Everyone told me about how Daniel Jones threw four touchdowns. Well, guess what? I looked. It was the fewest net yards allowed for the Lions this season. It was the fewest yards per play that the Lions have allowed this season. It was the first game all season in which the Lions allowed under 100 yards rushing. They allowed 
80. So it was like the, the lowest amount of rushing yards by a mile. It was also the fewest game per rush, but the Lions were, the Giants, excuse me, were able to hit a few deep balls to Darius Slayton that were able to make it look like the Lions offense was great, but that's football, man. Smoke and mirrors and a bunch of illusions. It's David Blaine, David Copperfield, and we're just sitting here losing money to Vegas. Week nine, who has who has faced the toughest slate of offenses that now face the biggest? Let me try that again. Which team is facing an easier offense than they faced all year, Warren Sharp, from the defensive perspective? It is definitely by far the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns defense is going to look a lot better this week. Remember, Cleveland just got both their starting cornerbacks back, right? against the New England Patriots, and that was the New England Patriots. The game was in the rain. They looked okay. This week, they're going to be playing the Denver Broncos. I know it's in Denver, but guess what Cleveland's played over the last month plus of the season? They've played the Rams offense, the Ravens offense, very difficult to prepare for, the San Francisco 49ers offense, the Seattle Seahawks offense, and the New England Patriots offense. I mean, we're talking about top 15, top 10 offenses around the league with creative play callers, with decent quarterbacks. That's the list, right? You're talking about Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously uh, we're, we're going to throw the Rams in there because yeah. of Sean McVay. I don't love Jared Goff, but that's besides the point. Now they're going up against Brandon Allen, a backup of a backup, basically quarterback in Denver. I think the Browns, Defense should look a lot better this week. Uh, I what's really great is is before I we had this conversation, I dropped Tennessee's defense and I picked up Cleveland's, and that that, that it's I mean it was the perfect switch. Like I I feel like it's amazing, but I look at Cleveland already because we're getting to the point of the show where I'm kind of formulating all of my my Westgate super contests, okay. you know. Angry Baker Mayfield yelling at the media. I feel like he plays better when he's angry. It's like what happened against Baltimore, against a Denver team where they have a quarterback that called out really the cojones of the coaching staff by saying, I'm Joe Flacco. I average less than five yards per completion, and I wanted to go for it on fourth and five. And now this Denver team, they lose a heartbreaking game. They come home, and they have Brandon Allen playing, who I mean, I don't think 99% of our listeners know where Brandon Allen went to college. And to me, the, the issue for the Browns, the, the Browns defense really was not that bad against New England. You know, I watched a defensive touchdown for the New England Patriots, and I watched Baker Mayfield shovel a ball into the chest of a defensive lineman. You know, there, there was a lot of bad turnovers in that game that set up short fields. The Cleveland Browns defense, look, they held the Rams 20 points. You know, like it's been a lot of this offense setting up this defense and Miles Garrett against a very rough Denver Broncos offensive line. And I believe Jawan James is already out. Uh, It could be a beautiful, beautiful day for the Browns defense. Could not agree more with everything that you just said there. There's no reason that the Cleveland Browns should not have covered that game against the New England Patriots last week. Um, Anybody who bet on the Browns, just remember, not all bets are going to play out. And that's why you have to take everything into context. You should have covered that game. I was not on the Browns. I did not have a side in that game whatsoever. But that was a game that you should have likely won. Um, I'm not opining on the side this week. But I will simply say, exactly as you said, it's a very tough matchup. 
And for those of you that want to argue that, oh, well, Joe Flacco hasn't been good anyways. It's Joe Flacco. So replacing him can't be that much worse. Who knows? Maybe you're right. But one of the things that we said going into uh, when Denver played the Chargers a couple of weeks ago and pulled the outright upset is that Joe Flacco was having one of his best years of his career from a, you know, and that just tells you a little bit about Joe Flacco, but he was having a very good year from a yards per attempt, from a completion rate, from a touchdown to interception perspective uh, in Denver this past season. So no, he has not been a very good quarterback. No, he was especially not good against the Indianapolis Colts. No, he probably should not have called out, called out his coaching staff publicly like that. Could any team be more aggressive on fourth downs? Yes, league-wide, most teams probably should be a little bit more aggressive. Probably wasn't the right time to do it. Um, and I'm worried about his backup here in this game. Very funny. I looked. The Cleveland-Denver over-under, the total was 43 uh, when it opened, and it's already been bet down to 39. That's a four-point drop. So were you one of the people that jumped on that early like a genius? <laughs> I did not. I did not take the under Damn. here. Um, but it definitely... Uh, the problem is it was pulled off the board a little bit once Joe Flacco right. was out and then it got reposted at a lower number. Definitely money has continued to come in on the under here, though, uh, for good reason. I mean, Denver does have a very good defense as well. All right. So uh, let's continue to update how teams are performing after the bye weeks thus far against the spread teams off of a bye are four and eight against the spread teams that are playing at home after a bye after the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Dolphins but did not cover it falls to three and three against the spread teams playing on a road after a bye there were three instances in week eight the Panthers the Browns and the Bucks all didn't cover so teams playing on the road after a bye are one and five against the spread but the big thing is betting against teams after a buy is something we've talked about and apparently our little away home thing is not holding up and I don't really want to get involved. There are two teams coming after off a buy. One Monday Night Football, the Dallas Cowboys traveling to the New York Giants. I want to say two things that are interesting to me. Remember last year coming off of a buy. I would argue the most embarrassing game of the Dallas Cowboys season, a 14-point loss to Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. Also, an update that I got on the BR app. Two Cowboys late to a meeting. Jason Garrett sends Antoine Woods and Tristan Hill home for being late to a meeting this Thursday. So what do you know? The Cowboys sleeping in late. Didn't come out great after the bye last week. Now they're playing Monday Night Football. It is against the Giants. I don't like betting on Daniel Jones against Michael Bennett and Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not going to touch that game at all. I'm just saying, hey, they're coming off of a bye. Does that spark anything for you, Warren? Um, not, not particularly. Didn't think it would. Okay. Uh, the other team, let, did you, is there anything else you wanted to say there? No, I, I think you covered it well. Um, the buy, I think a lot of what happens on the buy is coaching related. I will yeah. say that when we look at the trends over the last five years since the CBA, those are strong trends over a number of years. When we're talking about a small sample size of like five, six games for yes. a road off of a buy this year, we have to consider the sample size, uh, some of the teams that are involved in those games. So again, I am never one to say, well, this is what this one single angle says, so I'm going to bet the game because of just this angle. Yeah. I never, 
never, ever do that. It's something to take in consideration. The other team coming off of a bye leads us perfectly into the game of the week. We are not breaking down the ones and the four o'clocks. I made sure that we touched on damn near every freaking game in every single segment that we've done, because in my mind, there's one game. It is Sunday night football. And if you're not sitting down at a television, you're being wrong in this corner. The Baltimore Ravens coming off of a bye at home, taking on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Westgate has it as New England favored by three. In casinos across the country, the line has jumped to three and a half. It opened at four and a half. Warren Sharp, we've been waiting for it. The New England Patriots finally facing a good team. The Baltimore Ravens finally facing a defense that may show the blueprint on how to contain Lamar Jackson. John Harbaugh with a buy for extra preparation. Preparation. Warren, where would you like to start? I would like to start with Lamar versus the Patriots defense. Then let's do that. Exactly as you said in that intro, what is Bill Belichick going to do to try to stop Lamar? And could that be the blueprint for what other teams start using? I love that term, the blueprint, because I, not just it was a Jay-Z album, but it's also very good, I think, from when we're talking about People copy off of Bill Belichick left and right. And so I'm very fascinated. He doesn't have extra time to prepare for this game. But you can guarantee ever since he saw Lamar Jackson running around the field last season, knowing that he was going to have to play Lamar this year, that he started thinking about what he's going to do when it comes to week nine and what he's going to do once that schedule got announced on Sunday Night Football uh, to try to stop Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Um, here's a tough thing, though. Here's a tough thing. Last week, he was at home. He was a big favorite against the worst team, prospectively, the Cleveland Browns. It's raining. Do you really have to do a whole lot against that passing offense of Baker Mayfield? They haven't been all that good this year, right? And he struggled to stop Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was tearing through that team like a hot knife through butter frequently. And they struggled to stop the run game. I don't think they can have or afford to utilize that same game plan against Lamar Jackson. They can't give up all these rushing yards to the Ravens on the ground and expect to win this game. So their main priority, I mean, obviously, right, make Lamar a passer. Do what the Chargers did last year in the postseason, which is get up to a big lead, force force Lamar to drop back in 11 personnel consistently and throw the football down the field. Now, the good part for Baltimore is you do get Marquise Brown back. So that you have because you haven't had him for weeks. OK, so he's back. Your tight ends are healthy. You're good to go from a receiver perspective. I also seem to remember and we're going to stick on this side of the ball because we're going to break this game down a yeah. lot of deep. Adam, I seem to remember the Baltimore Ravens making a comment after they beat the Miami Dolphins week one to the effect of, do you guys have no idea what we've got in the rest of our playbook? Because we don't even need to use it on these chumps. We've got so much more back here that we've got ready to unleash. And we're just going to keep it under wraps. And guess what? They've had a bye week. Who knows what this creative offense is going to try to pull out and shock Bill Belichick with? Because let's not forget, Bill Belichick knew that he was facing these guys week nine Sunday night in Baltimore. But Baltimore knew that they were going to have two weeks to prepare for Bill Belichick's defense, and they've known this all offseason. 
if so, there was a prop bet to bet on over trick plays, this is the game. Like if there was like I would set the line at over under two and a half trick plays in this game, and it might there might be five, but this is the game where this is the game where Belichick has lined up tight ends at tackle after watching Alabama against Baltimore. Uh, Belichick has thrown wide receiver passes against Baltimore. Baltimore's thrown wide receiver passes against New England. This is the playbook bowl. This is the two teams that not only are they trying to win, they're trying to get done the game and have the other team walking up to the refs and going that's illegal and they get to wave it and go I read it in the playbook pal the Harbaugh Belichick game plan bowl is one of the best games every year and because the Ravens had an extra week to just diagram we could see some wild stuff Warren I'm very excited I'm super excited, too. And if you look at the games that the New England Patriots have struggled with opponents, they've only played three teams that rank 12th or better running the football. The Baltimore Ravens are one of the three. The other two were the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. Buffalo kept that game super tight. That was a very back-and-forth game. And Cleveland, again, they lost the game by 14. That game should have been much closer than the way that it finished. So I think this game is going to be tight start to finish. You're 100% on point with the thought that Baltimore has got some trick plays worked up their sleeve. Uh, Do you remember the game? One of my favorites was they lined up next to the center at the guard position. They lined up a tight end who was a little bit back off of the line of scrimmage. And after the snap, they ran him out in a pattern to convert a first down against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the type of stuff that John Harbaugh is thinking of. Remember, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. Special teams coaches are very creative with trick plays generally when they move to a better role within an organization, which he obviously did. He came from Philly as a special teams guy. He's the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. They come up with things. They like to insert them in the games uh, to gain those edges. So on that side of the football, I can't wait to see the style and the strategy that Belichick utilizes Will he force Lamar to stay in the pocket? Will Lamar break contain it all? And will Lamar be able to throw the football down the field? That's why it's vital that Baltimore does not fall behind early because we don't want Baltimore to be in a situation where they have to use three wides, play action doesn't work, right? And it's just Lamar throwing the football down the field. As long as, and I don't think they will. The only way I think they fall behind early is exactly what happened to Cleveland. You can't turn the ball over. No. It's, it's, how they lost to the Chargers in that playoff game at home. They turned the ball over. Lamar put it on the carpet. Defense aggressively attacked him, sacked him, fumbled, recovered, put up some early points. They can't have that happen. If they survive that first 20 minutes, they'll be in good shape and we'll have quite a battle on our hands. I I also love that Belichick has never faced Lamar before. Because the first time Belichick faces somebody, you see the complete study he's done, but also... It's an advantage. When Belichick has faced you already, he really knows you. And now it's not just finding the pressure point. It's pressing down as hard as he can. The first time he faced Patrick Mahomes, it was everyone the line of scrimmage, everyone drop out. The problem is, is the Ravens are a power running team. And if everybody falls back and you're moving backwards and you got Ronnie Stanley and all those guys coming right in your face for a power run, it could be interesting. Other side of the ball has been the Achilles heel of both teams. The Patriots and Tom Brady's offense 
offense have not looked great this year. Uh, I, I We've seen more Sony Michelle than I think people have expected. Josh Gordon's not on the team. Julian Edelman is on the injury report, limited practice on Wednesday. But talk about the health coming back for the Baltimore Ravens. Earl Thomas, the only player on the Ravens that did not practice on Wednesday. But you know who practiced in a limited capacity? Jimmy Smith. Don't know if he's playing, but Harbaugh did come out to say that he is, quote, on track to return. And we've said this. If their secondary is Humphrey, Peters, and Jimmy Smith, this could be an entirely new Baltimore Ravens defense. How do you see this side of the ball flowing out, Warren? It's going to be another big question mark because, as you mentioned, the weakness of Baltimore has been their defense, their ability to get pressure their ability to cover on the back end when that pressure is not there. But now they've got a much upgraded secondary. Humphrey's been playing really strong. They made the trade for Marcus Peters. They just got him. He's had the bye week now to get further integrated. And we know the Ravens splits with and without Jimmy Smith are massive. So that's several new stud guys in the secondary that are ready for the Patriots But this isn't the Patriots of old who had an explosive passing attack and that was the real weapon with Gronk and all these receivers and so many different things they do. This is a passing attack that ranks outside the top 10 in efficiency and they've played the second easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses so far this season. This is not the same passing offense. They're also without Josh Gordon, who they had at some points earlier in the season. So I'm really interested to see what ends up happening when New England has the ball, what their strategy is, because again, their focus holistically needs to be to get a lead so that Lamar has to throw the football. That's the way that they can help their defense is, is not by controlling the ball and just slowly clicking off time and kicking a field goal. It's by jumping out to a multi-score lead, a two-score lead, a, a nine-point lead, a 10-point lead, a 13-point lead. But they're not really built right now to explosively jump out on people and Baltimore's getting healthier in the secondary and on the back half. So um, if you want to look at the teams that Baltimore has played with good offenses, they've played two really good offenses so far this year. They played the Kansas city chiefs in Kansas city week three tore them up super close game, but Kansas city did have success throwing the football on them and moving the ball on them. But that was a great game. It was a great game. To be honest, Lamar Jackson made three plays that were like air bud. And so it was a close game, but like Kansas city probably should have won that game by 25. If I'm being honest, it it, it definitely, they definitely could have for sure. Yeah. Some of those passes were just like total balls and total luck, but And then the Seattle game was the next team that they played where they actually had Marcus Peters in the secondary and they held Seattle at home to only 16 points. Now, let's not make a mistake. Bill Belichick and this offense is going to be a lot better schemed and strategized than what the Seahawks offense was last, you know, the last game that the Baltimore Ravens played two weeks ago. But I'm fascinated to see the X's and O's matchups on this side of the ball. Usually one of the things that I notice about Bill Belichick when he plays a really good team that he respects a lot. Like he really respects. I yes. heard him talking in the in the in the uh, press conference about how much he respects Baltimore. He respects Harbaugh. You know, this Baltimore's near Annapolis, right? That's a Navy town. That's where Bill Belichick. His background is naval. Absolutely. And this this he has a lot of respect for that city. The way they built that team, he had a lot of respect uh, for their old GM Ozzie yep. Newsome. And so he tends to play teams that he has a lot more respect 
um, a little bit differently, like more carefully, more strategically. Whereas teams that he doesn't really respect, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, he just like tricks them and laughs and throws on them all the time. Teams like the Jets, he doesn't care about. He'll do all types of things. But teams he respects, he tends to come out a little bit more cautiously. So I'm interested to see. I think this game is, like I said, going to be super tight throughout. And what's amazing to me is you add the third level of the game, special teams. The Patriots just cut their kicker, Mike Nugent, and signed Nick Folk. And the Ravens have arguably the greatest kicker of all time in Justin Tucker. And we talk about all this. It sounds like the Ravens may have an advantage on offense. Sounds like the Ravens may have an advantage on defense. Sounds like the Ravens may have an advantage on special teams. And I sit before you today going, I still wouldn't bet them because Bill Belichick is the dark Sith Lord that I've never seen really lose. And like, that's why this game is amazing to me. Because I think it's going to be so fun to watch because I do think the Ravens have a lot of advantages that other teams have not had over the Patriots all year. But it's still Bill Belichick, it's still Tom Brady, and it's still the boogeyman. Like, what would you advise people after they just heard us wax poetic about the Ravens for 15 minutes? How would, do, you, do you calm their excitement to run to the window, or do you embolden it? Um, well, I also want to share a couple of interesting trends here, one of which I was just looking up on the fly. We've got the Patriots coming off of a bye. I'm sorry, the Ravens, Ravens coming off of a bye. We've got the Patriots heading into a bye. Okay. John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the NFL coming out of a bye. Wow. He's something like 9-2 and two ATS. He's ridiculous. But a team that is really good heading into a bye, okay, is the New England Patriots. They are, um, since 2002, they're 21-4. and four when they're heading into a buy 21 and four. Um, I want to say like their last shit. If, if I go back, let me just, uh, sorry, I'm doing this on the fly, but if I no, go back on the fly, just to 2009, just to 2009 before heading into an extra week, this team is 14 and one. Now that does include, um, playoff games when they're heading into, when they're playing week 20 and don't have a game next week. So if I get rid of, uh, Playoff games. The New England Patriots are nine and one straight up, eight and two ATS when they have a bye the next week during the regular season. Very good when they're about to head into a bye, usually very focused. So you've got Harbaugh coming out of a bye, great ATS. You've got Belichick heading into a bye, great ATS. You've got the matchups on both sides of the ball. You've got everything we talked about of the just the intrigue, the overall mystique of what is Bill Belichick going to do against Lamar Jackson? Such a unique quarterback, yeah. such a defensive mind. I have not bet anything on this game. I will tell the 33%. What's been interesting to me more than anything about this game is this total opened at 46, 46 and a half, took a bunch of under money, dropped it all the way down to 44 and has since taken some over money, and now it's back to 45, some 45 and a half. So a couple of groups, very drastic positions, and they're not just you know small positions where, ah, we'll put a couple of grand on this. They're banging the hell out of the board, getting this thing, dropping multiple points towards the under, and then a point and a half back towards the over. Even early in the week, it doesn't take a few thousand bucks to do something like that. It takes a little bit more of a concerted effort with deeper pockets. So... The total is intriguing. The side obviously is dropping. The Ravens are clearly the sharp side of this game. Right. 
I just can't wait for it. Uh, in terms of the total, are you going to research that all over the next few days and see if there's still value there, or have you already done that? I've looked at it. Um, I'm trying to see where the market is going to go from here. I want to see if the guys who are betting the under are going to take another piece of it. If they do, that probably means that it's extremely sharp um, because they got some at 46 and now they, they want, want more. Yeah. Um, when the limits are higher, then they come back in and buy more towards the under. We saw the game again last week where Cleveland, Baltimore, that game should have been a surefire under with ease. It ended up seeing a lot of points scored in the first half. It actually went over the first half total, but that was because of defensive mistakes and things of that nature, defensive scores by the Patriots. You can't say those things definitely won't happen because they've been continuing to happen all season long. Yeah. It's hard to handicap the fact that, oh, you're definitely getting seven points from the Patriots defense here. So um, I'm going to keep researching that one. I haven't okay. done anything yet. And again, uh, Warren puts his final picks on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can subscribe. He's had plenty of uh, access codes and stuff for you guys to get packages in the past. So hopefully you've already bought. If not, just check it out. There's good content. There's good content. It's it's one of my mainstays on Monday morning. Uh, the the uh, the article that you put out of like the 10 nuggets, uh, the article that you put out today that's available to really anybody evaluating team performance at the season's midway point is very extensive and if you enjoy reading about every team in the NFL which is exhausting to write Warren does it so it's good content it's not just picks uh, but I need to enter my picks with crack so let us get crack on the phone the number one proxy in the history of the world the number one fedora wearer in the history of the world and the number one analysis of Italian sauce in the history of the world you would agree with all that right Warren definitely definitely especially the fedora it's oh. it's my it's Samuel L. Jackson, and it's Bill Krakenberger, and that's really it. Hey, guys. Did you hear that, Did you hear that crack we were saying about how it's you and Samuel L. Jackson, the two best fedora wearers in the history of the world? Oh, yeah, the Kangle hats. Yeah, that's right. I got really, yeah, I love them. I love the hats. I got 13 of them, by the way. I just wear the, the black and the, and, the, and the blue ones. That's about it. <laughs> oh, man. We got you don't care that it's unlucky number 13? Like, do we need to ship you an extra one to get you off of that number 13? It's unbelievable. Actually, the number 13 has been very lucky for me in my life. It's kind of weird. You know, you don't want to depend on luck for things, but the combinations of ones and threes, and especially three, has been a lucky number for me. I don't know why. But, uh, well, a, a wise man, I believe it was Socrates, once told me that one and three are very important numbers in gambling. I think it was Socrates. Oh, there you go. Cool. Uh, all right, so I actually have not said the five ways that I'm leaning yet to Warren. Uh, so he's going to see yep. this for the first time to crack. And then I'm going to get your pick on the game of the week. You ready to go? Sure. Okay, these are, su these are subject to change. Uh, I, yep. like, I like Oakland minus two and a half against Detroit. Uh, I like Tampa Bay plus six at Seattle. I like Indy minus one in Pittsburgh. I like Jacksonville plus one against Houston. And I think I'm going to get a little randy and take Cleveland minus three in Denver. Do, oh, do you hate you. any of those or like any of those? I would love well, the Bucks are my best play. So the Bucks plus six uh, versus Seattle. It's six on the pool. The sharper sports books, Westgate just went to five out here. They just got hit on that. Um, the, the, the place is offshore, six dog, 20. Uh, I think the points there are good. You know, the Bucks, the Bucks won 55 to 40, I believe. It was a ridiculous score over the Rams in, 
in the, at the Rams on the road, and then they lost three in a row. So, I, meanwhile, this, this, their season's actually depending on this. Maybe I think they're. I'm not sure, but I think they're two and five. So, they, they, this is a key game for them. Uh, I know they're going into Seattle, but uh, it, I, I like them this week. Also, I agree with you. Uh, that's one of my one of my plays. My other play I matched you with Cleveland. So two plays I matched you. I think Cleveland minus the three is good line value. Actually, three and a half and three minus a quarter is out there. So three mm. on the pool is, is, is great line value, and I, I agree with that one. Um, uh, the other ones I don't have an opinion on. Jacksonville, I could see it though for sure. Um, let's see. You what else did you say? Colts versus Steelers. Yeah. I just and, I and watched the Steelers and I was like they look like terrible. shit. They look yeah, terrible. they shouldn't even. Uh, the Miami could have won that game outright, by the way. So um, Warren had had Steelers first half plus seven and a half. Is that right, Warren? Um, yeah. Uh, the, the Dolphins plus seven and a half. Dolphins. Yeah. Sorry, Dolphins. Right. Yeah, Dolphins plus seven and a half first half. The dog there. Um, so so I, I mean we were rooting for Miami first half, but I, I could have swore Miami for the game. Was was you know that was in jeopardy at the end, but it shouldn't have been. So so the Dolphins were anyway. This is this is a bet against the Steelers, is what I'm saying. They didn't look good with the quarterback there, and um, I 100 uh, percent would would not be taking Steelers there. So the Colts there. Uh, I I the, listen. I, I also I think the Bears have been a major disappointment. This, you know this season. Sure. But then again, so have the Eagles. The Eagles have been you know back and forth. I know they they lost two weeks ago. It was a bad loss to Dallas. Then they go and beat beat a uh, Buffalo squad about you know close supposed to be a close game. It was a blowout. So I think this is a big game for the Bears though. I think this is they, this is like a must win for them too. The, so I think they're going to play tough. Uh, eight, eight home dogs this week. I I seen that's unusual, but uh, a lot of home dogs. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get into the biggest uh, game on the card here, which yes. is. Uh, the, the Patriots, right? Patriots, yeah, so, uh, Ravens. So here's my question for you, Crack, because I think really what I've learned about you is your specialty is not just reading the market, but also kind of seeing where value can kind of perk up. And me and Warren were just talking about how the the total has been fluctuating for Ravens, Patriots. The line is starting to have some movements. So I'm not really asking for what your bet is. I'm curious, how are you reading how the Sharps and the Squares are playing Baltimore, New England, and how do you foresee that kind of adjusting over Friday, Saturday, and into Sunday? All the wise guys that that are, uh, by the way, it's a prime time Sunday night game. New England's finally playing a team that's a, a, a good team after having a pretty fairly easy schedule or a first eight game, first through, through, through week eight. So now they're playing a, a, a part of their toughest contest. Obviously, uh, is going to be the Ravens. And so all the sharp guys are the ones that are betting the NFL, though, will be betting Baltimore if they haven't already. This guy, the, line, the line actually was a four for a second out there when it opened. Down to three and a half, three and a half dog money. And uh, matter of fact, there's some threes actually here at the South Point. is actually a three. So, and then this contest is also a three. Yeah. So like I said, the wise guys are going to be on the dog there. And uh, I'll just tell you, though. The, the, the exact combination of Brady Belichick just is a, it, it's something that comes, only comes across every, uh, every quarter of a century. So uh, it's three in the contest. I would not, believe it or not, I would not be going with the sharp wise guy side, the Baltimore. I think maybe the New England side minus the three in the contest is a good pick. Uh, I will wow. probably be picking that in my contest, actually going against the move. And 
I think as it becomes more towards game time, yeah, people are going to realize that people want to bet. They, they, they want to they bet both. Even people in Vegas, even the squares are going to be on Baltimore in this game, So, which, which is unusual. So, um, I, again, I, I, I actually, in the contrary, and I'm going to say that New England minus the three is a good, good play in the pool. Yeah, I'm staying away from it altogether. I, I think it's a game that I'm so excited to watch, and maybe I'm going to do some in-game betting if I start seeing, like, a, like if Baltimore starts getting a lot of traction on the run and New England starts uncorking some trick plays. But right now, I think it's a game I don't want to bet. I just kind of want to watch it. But knowing me, I'm going to chase Sunday nights. Crack, you are the man. I don't watch, I don't watch many games, but I'm going to watch that game with you. Good. You're right. I'm going to be watching that game. Good. I appreciate you guys. I'm going to text you. I'll text you on Friday, dude. You're the man, and we need to link up soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, brother. You're the man. Uh, As always, you can uh, download the Crack Wins app. Uh, Crack, Matthew, and the boys have put it together. It's, in my opinion, a really beautiful interface. It's easy to get the lines on a mobile app if you want to. And, of course, Crack gives out one pick a week. Uh, And then if you subscribe and pay, he will give you many more. And it's Crack. So, and I, and Krakenberger, he is the man. He's a great guy, and we support him. Warren, anything else that you either heard from my picks, what Warren said that you'd like to talk about before we get out of here? I do want to tell you, it, does, it doesn't relate to the picks, but I didn't know the record beforehand, and you asked me about it. I, filled, I want to fill it in. Bruce Arians, as a Cardinals head coach, 4-1 and one, straight up and against the spread in Seattle. Wow. And he dogs all four of those games that he won outright a 10 point dog he won outright a three point dog he won outright an eight point dog two different times and he won those games outright in seattle holy crap and i think that's the perfect way to lead with an exclamation point is hey not only is this team tampa bay favored in edsr but there's a coaching possible advantage here with a trend when those two things align Uh, we're going to need that music because Warren needs to go out and be the legend that he is. He's going as a wolf that ate a grandma tonight because he's a baller. Warren, you're the man. I love you. For Warren, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man to the 33% out there. Follow Warren on Twitter at Sharp Football. Check out his website at Sharp Football Analysis. It is a subscription that I promise you is worth it. And thank you, as always, for downloading or watching the Left Coast Show on Fridays. Appreciate y'all. Keep kicking ass. Good luck at the window. Holla at y'all later.